Thousands of years ago, the prophet Isaiah spoke these words. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Then it happened, after 400 years of silence, a child was born and laid in a manger. His name? Jesus. And he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. You will have the light that leads to life. Let there be light. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome and thank you for being here today. So glad that we can gather this way. For those of you who are in the room, thanks for braving a cold, rainy day and being here. And for those of you who are watching online, thank you for joining us for Church Online today. If you want uh, the whole message in seven words today, I'll give it to you this way. Bicycles, the moon, Jesus, and George Bailey. You got that? Go and be blessed. No, I'll back up and tell you what all that means. Um, This year, uh, earlier this year, uh, during the 2020 quarantine bicycle craze, uh, my wife Alicia and I decided to buy our daughter Gracie a bicycle for her birthday. Uh, The problem was, and if if you have kids, if you were looking for a bicycle at that time to get out and get some exercise, you know this, but at that time it was impossible to find a bicycle in the stores. You could go to any store, didn't matter what store it was, and they were completely sold out. And so we were fortunate to to find one that we could order online, and so we did that, and a few days later it, it came in the mail. But as you might expect, some assembly was acquired. So I took the bike to the garage and I began to unpack the box. And it's like every bike you've ever seen. It had handlebars and two tires. It had brakes and it had some cool gears. It was a really nice bike. And it also had a couple of small reflectors. Now those reflectors are are probably the most inexpensive part of the bicycle, right? They're small pieces of plastic. There's one for the front, one for the back, and they're held on to the bicycle by a, a couple of small screws. But as, as small as they are, as insignificant as they might seem, you know, like I know, how incredibly important those reflectors are. Because if you have a daughter who's riding her bike down the street and the sun is setting and there's a car coming towards her or maybe coming up behind her, what you want to happen is for the headlights of that car to hit that reflector on that bike so that the person driving that car will see, oh, there's a person riding a bike. Maybe I should slow down. Maybe it's a child. Maybe I should stop. Maybe I should pull over so that your child or that person on that bicycle doesn't die, right? Those reflectors, as small as they are, as insignificant as they might seem, are so important. But you know, like I know, those reflectors cannot produce any light. You can't turn it on. You can't turn it off. It's not the source of any light. It can't generate any light on its own. It can only reflect the light, kind of like, kind of like the moon. I love the moon. I don't know if you love the moon. I love the moon. One of the reasons I love to get up early and run in the mornings is because I love to see 
the moon. Right now, my son is studying the phases of the moon in his science class. He called me up to his room one day this week. He said, hey, I want to show you the project we're working on. He knows I love the moon. He had a lamp on his floor, which represented the sun. He had a, a styrofoam ball on a, on a pencil that was the moon, and he would move it around the, the lamp or the sun to, to see the phases of the moon. It was really cool. I loved it. It was fascinating. But you know, like I know, the moon doesn't produce any light. It can't generate any light. It's not the source of any light. All the moon can do is reflect the light of the sun. Somewhere along the way, we started to believe that that is what we are called to do. Especially those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus. Especially those of us who decided somewhere along the way that we wanted Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life. We wanted to dedicate all of our days to following Jesus. Somewhere along the way, we decided, we thought, we believed. In fact, I know I have taught this and I have preached this. I can't count how many times that this is my calling, that this is your calling. You got to be the moon, you got to reflect the light of the sun, you got to be a, a reflector. Like this is, you're supposed to reflect the light of Christ to others. I know I have taught that. I know I have said that. I know I've believed that. And, and, and I think many of us have. This is what we thought. This is what we've believed. But I've come to realize, and it really hit me this week, there's a problem with that. And I want to make what might sound like a bold claim, and you can feel free to fact check me. And if I'm wrong, I promise I'll take it back. But here's what I believe is true. Jesus never once called us to be reflectors. Think about that. I can't think, I can't remember, I've looked it up again and again. Jesus never once called you to reflect his light. Jesus never asked you one time to be the moon. We've said that. We made all that up. And it sounds really nice. It sounds right. It sounds good. It's even encouraging. You can print that and put that on a pillow. You can put that on a coffee mug, and you can, you can look at that, and it can inspire you and encourage you. And that's, that's all well and good. All I'm saying is Jesus never said that. What Jesus said, I believe, is actually way more compelling, way more powerful. And if we can get our hearts and minds and our lives around what Jesus actually said, I believe it has the power to change everything for us. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I want to invite you to open up to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is, is the, the first book of the New Testament, right? It's, it's Matthew, Jesus. Is, he's one of Jesus' you know, first disciples, closest friends and followers. He writes this story about the life of Jesus. Matthew is a Jew writing primarily to a Jewish audience. And he writes this story about the life of Jesus. And I want to, I want to pick up the story here in just a minute in Matthew chapter 4. We've been tracing uh, this idea of light all throughout the story of God. From the very beginning of time, from creation, when God spoke and said, let there be light, to the day thousands of years later when Jesus would stand in the temple courts in the middle of Jerusalem and declare for all the world to hear, I am the light of the world. And now according to Matthew, Jesus has come. And he's at the very beginning of his ministry. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 4, Ma Matthew sets it up this way. Jesus has now spent 40 days. Before he does any teaching, before he heals anybody, Jesus has spent 40 days in the wilderness, in the desert, 
alone. In prayer, in fasting, and get this, being tempted by the devil himself. And coming out of those 40 days of prayer and fasting and temptation and being alone, Jesus learns upon coming out of that that time that his cousin John has been arrested. Talk about a dark time in someone's life. And here's what Matthew says about Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then he left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. And you've been tracking with us. We looked at these words from Isaiah a couple of weeks ago, and Matthew wants to call back to these ancient words right now at the very beginning of a story about Jesus. So he quotes Isaiah in 15, and he says, In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. So just think about this. Where is Jesus right now? Where is he beginning his ministry? According to, according to Matthew, Jesus is right where Isaiah said he would be thousands of years ago. Jesus is right here in Galilee and right here in this place where Isaiah said he would be, this great light is shining. Isaiah says, for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. And from then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then you keep reading in the very next verses, and what do you see Jesus doing? He's beginning his ministry. And how does he begin his ministry? Well, it's amazing. He's doing exactly what you think Jesus would do. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's teaching everyone about the kingdom of God. And he's saying the kingdom of God is near. In so many ways, he's come and he's doing exactly what Isaiah said he would, would do. He's, this new light has dawned. And now Jesus is making everything that is wrong right. He's making everything the way it was always supposed to. To be, And it's as if Matthew was saying this, that this is what the world looks like when the light of the world is living in the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and this is what the world looks like. This is what happens when the light of the world is living in the world. When the, when the Lord of light is reigning as the light of the world, he makes all things right. He makes all things new. And then right after that, right after Jesus begins his ministry, Matthew has Jesus on a hillside in Galilee. And now he's got some of his closest followers, his disciples, who have now joined him. And he's teaching them, hey, I want you to know what life is like in the kingdom of God. You want to know what it's like? And he begins saying things that no one's ever said before. They're hearing things they've never heard before. No one's ever taught like Jesus. He's saying things like, you know what? If you're poor, you're blessed. If you mourn, you're blessed. If you're humble, you're blessed. If you work for peace, you're blessed. If you're persecuted for doing what is right, you're blessed. And he goes on and on and on saying these kinds of things, telling them that that you're blessed if you follow me. And it's important because these people, they knew. They knew all too well what it was like to live in a dark world. They knew all all too well what it was like to live in a place where things are not the way they are supposed to be. 
They knew what it was to live in a world where Roman roads are lined by Roman crosses to remind those who are oppressed that if if you want to rise up, if you want to change things, if you want to lead a revolt, if you want to buck the system, this is what happens. This will be your fate. Death, and not just death. Torture, but not just torture. Humiliation, death on a cross, hung up on the side of the road for everyone to see this is what happens. They knew what it was like to live in a dark world. They knew what it was like to experience fear. For them, things like pandemics and poverty and problems and persecution, this wasn't a a disruption to their life. This was a way of life. They lived in a constant state of fear, and they knew what it was to doubt. They they knew what it was to, to, to feel like there wasn't any hope. I mean, it had been centuries Since their God, the God of Israel, had done anything like the stories they'd heard about. Stories like the deliverance from from, from Egypt in the Exodus. Stories like the walls of Jericho falling down. It, It had been a long time since anything like that had happened. And it had been about 400 years since there had been a man, a woman, a a prophet of God who had risen up to give them a word from God. You think you've got doubts? They knew what it was to doubt. And they knew what it was to live in darkness. Man, living during this time in this world, living up under Roman impression where there was so much sin, so much hate, so much murder, theft, just evil all around them, systemic evil. They knew what it was to live in such a dark place. But yet Jesus wants to teach them that in the middle of all that fear, in the middle of all that doubt, in the middle of all that darkness, They choose to follow him. They're blessed. Why? Well, there's an eternal truth that if they can grab a hold of, it changes everything. There's an eternal truth that I'll tell you what, if we can grab a hold of it, it changes everything. He says they are blessed because of who they are, because of their identity. And if you keep reading in verse 14, This is what Jesus says to his disciples. This is who you are. He says these words. You are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And no one, no one would ever light a lamp and then put it under a basket. Instead, a lamp, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the exact same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus didn't say, you're a reflector of the light of the world. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. And I know sometimes when you're reading your English Bible, it's hard sometimes to know if that little word you is singular or, or plural. I want you to know right here, it's, it's not singular. He's not talking about you, the individual, you are the light of the world. If he was preaching in the deep south today, Jesus would say, y'all are the light of the world. You, all of you, my followers, my disciples, you, you are, all of you, together, collectively, you are the light of the world. Of course, the problem is for us is we don't know what to do with that. 
We, we don't know what to do with the fact that, that on one occasion, in one moment, in one instance, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then on a different occasion here in, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. I mean, which is it? Is he the light of the world? Or are we the light of the world? And you know what the answer is, right? The answer is yes. Jesus is the light of the world. And we are the light of the world. We're not called to reflect the light. We're called to be the light. We're not called to to be the moon. We're called to, to, to be the light of the world. This is what Jesus says. He says, I want you to know that you are the light of the world. I am the light of the world, and you are the light of the world. And what I want to suggest today, this, is, this may be simple, but it may be profound. I don't know. You decide. What I want to suggest today is this, that being a light is way more powerful than reflecting a light. But what happens is that so often we forget. We forget who we are. And forgetting your identity It always leads to fear, to doubt, and to darkness. What happens is that I forget who I am. I forget who Jesus says I am. You forget who you are. You forget who Jesus says you are. We forget who we are. And forgetting who we are, it always leads to fear. It always leads to doubt. And it always leads to darkness. And what happens is, is we, we get blinded. We get blinded by the prince of darkness. To, 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 to just be blunt, we get blinded by the prince of blindness. And he blinds us over and 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 over again. And every time he blinds us, we forget. And every time we forget, we're afraid, we begin to doubt. And we find ourselves right back in the middle of a very dark place. Uh, In 1946, Frank Capra directed a movie that to this day, millions of people watch every year around the globe about this time of year. In fact, many of you have probably already watched this movie. If you haven't, you probably will watch this movie in the days ahead leading up. To Christmas. Some of you know this movie already. You know what I'm talking about. It's the movie It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't by some chance seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but let me give you a bit of the storyline. A man by the name of George Bailey is just a really good guy. And he's got aspirations, he's got dreams for his life, but over and over again, he sacrifices his dreams and his plans and, and all the things that he wants to do for the good of his friends, for the good of his family, and for the good of his people in his hometown of Bedford Falls. But all, all of this comes to a head one day in his life when, 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 when all at one moment George Bailey realizes that there is a crisis, there's a problem that he's not sure how to fix. Hey, he's in charge of a small bank there in his hometown of Bedford Falls, the, the building and loan. And he learns that the bank examiner is on the way to check their books. And 
he goes to just make sure everything is the way it's supposed to be, and he finds out that $8,000 is missing. Well, they look everywhere. They can't find the money. They, 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 they turn over every rock. They look in every nook and cranny, and they just can't find the money. He goes to the only person in town who he thinks can help him, and that person won't help him. And then George Bailey begins to think this thought, that maybe I'm worth more dead than alive. It's a cold and snowy night. He goes over to a bridge overlooking a river, and he's got every intention of jumping in the water that night. When all of a sudden, an angel by the name of Clarence shows up. And Clarence knows how to save George Bailey's life. And he knows that if he jumps in the river first, that George Bailey will do what George Bailey always does. He will, in that moment, forget about himself, and he'll jump in the river to save this man who might be drowning. So Clarence the angel jumps into the river and pretends to be drowning. Maybe he is. George Bailey sees it and immediately forgets about himself, jumps into the river to save Clarence. Only in reality what was happening in that moment was Clarence was working to save George Bailey. You see what happened in that moment is what happens for so many of us in moments like that. George, he, he forgot who he was. He forgot that his worth and his wealth, it wasn't tied up in money or possessions or things. If that was true, then we would all spend all of our days trying to amass more, trying to gain more, trying to make more, trying to get more. George Bailey, in that moment, forgot who he was. He forgot where his identity came from, and he found himself in the middle. Like so many of us do, when we forget where our identity comes from, and we find ourselves in the, in the middle of fear, of doubt, and darkness. And all that happens because we forget who we are. We forget where our identity, where our identity comes from. We, we forget what, what we've known all along. Things that have been written centuries and thousands of years ago. Things that we've learned, so many of us, from a young age. Things like when, when Paul told the Colossians this, that this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. And this is the secret. You want to know what it is? Here it is. Christ lives in you. He said the same thing to the Corinthians. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is in you. You And he said the same thing to the Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Let me ask you, what's more powerful, a reflector or a headlight? What's more powerful, the moon or the sun? You and I, we're not called to be a reflector. We're not called to be the moon. You see, you are the light of the world. You want to know why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. You are the light of the world because Jesus, the light of the world, is living inside of you. You are the light of the world, all of you. Because Jesus, the light of the world, is living inside of you. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says? If you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if you've confessed him as the Lord and Savior of your light, then here's the promise. The light of Jesus lives inside of you. And you are the light of the world.
Because the light of the world is living inside of you. Do you believe that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you believe that God is for you? Because God is for you, nothing can come against you. If you believe that, you've got nothing to fear. Do you believe that you are a son, you are a daughter of God? If you do, you have no reason to doubt because your heavenly Father has already declared you, already adopted you, a child of God. And you know what? That same light that led Israel out of Egypt, that same light is living inside of you, guiding you along your journey. Do you believe that what Jesus said is true? That he is the light of the world. Because he is the light of the world, what Jesus said is also true. You are the light of the world. If you believe that, you don't have any reason to ever live in darkness again. Because he is the light of the world. And the light of the world is living inside of you. And that same good news that lit up the night when the angels broke in to that field outside of Bethlehem, And told those shepherds in the middle of the night, in the middle of that field, there's good news. A Savior has been born. That same good news is still lighting up the night. You see, you are the light of the world. Because Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And he's taken up residence in your heart. Church, if you would, let's stand. George Bailey forgot who he was, but he was reminded. And today what I want you to do is I want you to remember. I want you to remember who you are. I want you to remember what you mean to the people around you. I want you to remember that you are a person of immeasurable worth. I want you to remember that you are the light of the world, that you are like a city on a hill shining for all the world to see. I want you to remember what Jesus said, that you're like a lamp. And and you don't take a lamp, you don't take a light, you don't put it under a basket. No, you put it on on a stand for all the world to see. And when all the world sees your good deeds, what I want them to see is Jesus living inside of you so that when they see you, when they see your light, They will give all the praise and all the worship and all the honor and all the glory to our Father in heaven. So today, as we go from this place, and let's be honest, a very dark, gray, rainy, cold day, let's go and let's shine. And let's shine the light of Christ and share the love of Christ with those around us.